0: Let's pray. Father, may our hope this morning rest in the Gospel. May we rest in the finished work of Jesus. May we be encouraged by Your Spirit. May we be equipped by Your Word. For Your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you have a copy of God's word, you can turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 12. Hebrews 13, verses 7 to 12.
1: starting in verse 7.
0: Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. This is God's Word. We live in a world that is constantly changing around us. People in power change. Cultures change. The lives of our family members change. Worldviews change. If you look at 2020 alone, there were many changes for us as individuals, but also uh, corporately. We've had to deal with this term social distancing. Social because we still desire to be social but at a distance. We also can be facing hostility. Present hostility. In every, conver- in every current conversation, people are frustrated. There are people that take to social media to vent their frustrations only to be more frustrated at the current climate. <laughs> discussions may not get better. And the, and the world in the United States is going to let us down. As we will see in light of this passage this morning. And sometimes, we may desire. We may desire for those struggles, for the temptations, for the hostility to stop, to cease. This is not an easy life. John covered verse 6 last week and talked about the persecution that will come in the life of the believer. And as Christians, we live in opposition to the culture not desiring the approval of the culture when we have been approved by God. And we are able to say that as believers, because as the text we look today, the truths are found in this text. Does a Christian feel pain? Does he or she feel sorrow and sadness? Yes. The world changes around us and we deal with loss and grief. But the hope for the Christian in this life is not to try to get the struggles to stop, but to find your footing on the firm foundation that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we deal with quick and sudden loss, when we deal with divorce, hurt, pain, hostility, loss of a job, losing friendships, whatever it may be, when we are confronted with these things, Christians, rest in the sure and steady anchor that is Jesus. And if we are living for approval by the culture and the world, we're going to be killed by it. But if a Christian is living for the approval of the King, they have already been found in Him, adopted, and have a seat at the table of grace. The Christian's identity is no longer slave, but Son or daughter. Resting, we are resting in the one who does not change. He is the consistent King of the cosmos. And so, as we look at this passage this morning, verses seven to twelve, there there are two points. The first is be thankful for faithful leaders in the local church. Be be thankful. For faithful leaders in the local church we'll see this in verse seven. The second point is that the gospel the Gospel of the Lord Jesus is essential is essential to the church. And we see this in verses eight to twelve but this should be obvious, right? but we live in a culture that becomes less and less clear about the gospel. Some of us are more clear with our our friends but how we feel about a particular football team or what was on the news last night than the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's easy for us, it's easier for us to talk with family and friends about matters that are not as controversial. But what is more weighty? What is more weighty to talk about than the Gospel of the Lord? As Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that if, that if in Christ... We have hope in this life only. We are of all people most to be pitied. But since Jesus was raised from the grave, there's nothing more essential to talk about. And on top of that, there are some that gather for worship where the gospel is nowhere to be found. And so, as we will see in verses 8-12, to the gospel is essential. The gospel is essential to the local church and to the people of God. So, our first point this morning, God has given you, God has given you leaders in the local church. Be thankful for them. God has given you leaders in the local church. Be thankful for them. In verse seven, the writer of Hebrews calls the readers to do three things to remember, consider, and imitate the faithful leaders. Remember the leaders, those who spoke the word to you. Be thankful for those who preach the Gospel of God to you. It is a privilege for you to hear the Gospel and have ears to hear the Gospel. The writer is not casually saying, remember, like, have a date on your calendars in which you reflect upon this event every now and then. He is saying, by them, by them, you heard the Gospel. Remember what God has done through faithful ministers of the Gospel. Remember that these ministers of the Gospel in the book of Hebrews suffered persecution to get the Gospel to you. And for us, do you remember the first time the Gospel was faithfully preached and lived out among you? As believers, we're called to remember the faithful leaders, ministers of the Gospel. Consider what they have done and the sacrifices they have made, and imitate them because they were faithful to the Word. And there's a cost. There is a cost to ministry. Ministers go through hardships of their own, and then they also have to counsel uh, those dealing with hardships in the local church. And over time, leaders can feel the wear and tear of the challenges that gospel ministry brings. So as your leaders pray for you on a regular on a regular basis pray for them pray for them that they press on and remain faithful and by remaining faithful the church is called not to forsake the teaching of the word of god that we have heard and many of us have had faithful leaders in our lives they've invested in us and we have learned from them and god has appointed Leaders, elders in the church for our benefit. And having a plurality of leaders is beneficial, not just because it's what the New Testament teaches, but plurality of elders is helpful to the elders of the church and to the church. The church is not just a one-man show. The elders, they, they care for you and they care for one another. And then later on in this chapter, in chapter 13, there's this appeal. There's an appeal for Christians to obey leaders in verse 17. To submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. They are shepherding your souls for your good. So elders, leaders, have been entrusted by God to care for you. And then in verse 24 of chapter 13, greet all your leaders and all the saints so be thankful be thankful for the leadership of elders and leaders in the local church and the manner in which they press us to Jesus i look back and i'm i'm reminded daily by god's grace i'm reminded daily of god's grace of him giving me faithful leaders in my life i'm i'm thankful for them i'm i'm remembering them i'm considering what they have done and i'm Striving to imitate them. I disciple similarly to the way those who disciple me. And I desire to be involved in the lives of people giving resources. I'm striving to imitate those leaders before me. This is what the author of Hebrews is showing us in verse 7. Look back at those who've gone before, who've been faithful to the Scriptures, and praise God for them. Be thankful for them. Faithful ministers of the Gospel who have gone before us. And what a privilege it is to hear the word of god faithfully preached what a privilege it is to have faithful fathers mothers elders pastors group leaders church members who love the gospel it's a blessed thing what is what is one simple way what is one simple way that we can remember those who have come before us we can read a biography this year. Listen to an audio book of a biography. We're partnering, uh, we're going to be partnering with 20 Schemes, which is uh, doing church planting in Scotland. It may, be, it may be beneficial for you to read about uh, John Knox and what he did in Scotland. You can read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read about Lottie Moon. J.C. Ryle uh, wrote a book, called Light from Old Times. And that walks uh, through the lives of martyrs during the Protestant Reformation. But we remember believers who have come before us not to be a faithful Paul or Peter. Right? If you, if you read a book about Martin Luther and want to be Martin Luther, you've missed it. The, the lives of ministers point to the Lord Jesus. God has created you and He has placed you in the age in which He has desired. Read biographies and remember your leaders not to be the next so-and-so, but to be a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus. And these faithful leaders that have gone before know that it is not them. It is not them that build up the community, but it's the Word of God that faithfully builds up the whole community. The Bible is the revelation of God to us. We know God by His Word. So, it is of utmost importance that we dive into His Word. And our gatherings are not centered around the slightest possibility that we can see the Gospel clearly revealed in culture. When we see the Lord of all clearly revealed in His Word. And if one looks throughout church history, God has shaped His church by the faithful preaching and teaching of His Word. And then we see verse 7 leads into verse 8. And then we need to think about the context of the book of Hebrews. Various Jewish Christians are facing persecution. They're dying for the faith. Many Jewish Christians are tempted to go back to the synagogues and flee persecution. Jewish Christians coming to verse 8 for the first time and reflecting upon it should be like someone with new eyes. Look on Him. Behold your King. This leads us to our second point this morning that the Gospel of the Lord Jesus is essential. It's essential to the church. And let's go ahead and read again verses 8-12. to Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Gospel preaching. Gospel preaching in the local church is not an option. It's not an opinion. It is essential. And I know over the past year that this word essential in some ways has been misused. Let me be clear. There is nothing more essential on this planet than gospel preaching. There are people that are going to hell because they have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I understand that we are living in a a pandemic So do not mishear what I'm saying. If we are able to assemble ourselves, we need to. And we thank God for the day in which we live, that we have technology that can be used for good and His glory. We can record services and send them out. Members dealing with COVID or concerns of COVID can watch from home. But if North Hills does not preach the gospel, it ceases to be the church. We become a country club without the gospel. And so, beloved, week in and week out, we long for Sunday. We want to gather. We want to sing praises to the Lord. We want to hear the word of the Lord and pray together as a united body of believers. And this is good for us to long for the Lord's Day. Because when the Lord's people gather, it's a taste of heaven. But across this country, there are people who are longing to hear the word, and yet ministers are not preaching Christ or preparing the church to suffer well. A few years ago, at my cousin's funeral, the minister made no mention of Christ, no mention of the gospel or eternity. Loved when, when people are suffering, bad preaching is magnified. And in our loss, suffering, grief, we need Jesus. We desire to see Jesus. And so in verses 8-12, to 12, we are reminded about some essential truths of the Gospel that leave no room for debate. And the first truth is in verse 8 that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same. The Lord Jesus is unchanging. And so the immutability of Christ should cause joy for the believer. From eternity past to eternity present to eternity future, He is faithful. He's the consistent King on the throne. So this should produce joy in His people. Can we say the same of any earthly leader? In the day that Hebrews was written, various leaders in Rome were considered tyrants. There are tyrants throughout history. And our hope would be put in a terrible place if we put it in any earthly leader. There are also leaders throughout history that are cowards. But the Lord Jesus is neither a tyrant or coward. He's the sovereign Lord and the great shepherd to His sheep. He cares for His people. And so in the context of Hebrews, many Christians are losing their lives for the sake of the Gospel. But Christians should rest in Christ, not being discouraged in the faith. They're reminded of the King they serve. The King over all. That He is the same. The Christian faith does not change because our King does not change. Think of a man... In war, rallying the troops with a banner or flag. Have you seen the movie The Patriot? At the end of the movie, he grabs the flag of the colonies and and waves it around and and waves it forward to those who are retreating and says, press on. And for those of us, for those who believe in Christ, verse 8 is our rally flag. This is where we plant down, where we dig in. We make our last stand here. How firm is your foundation, Christian? Is it resting in the unchanging sovereign Lord that laid the earth like a blanket? Or is it resting in the ever changing world around us? The Lord Jesus Christ is the same. Christ's immutability, immutability, his unchangingness, should result in our joy. And I think more people would be happy and filled with joy if they reflected. Upon the unchangingness of Jesus. His throne does not budge. He is not surprised. He is not caught off guard. Before there was yesterday, today, and forever, He was and is. Before there was time and space, He was. And yet, and yet, there may be those around us who think they can outsmart and outwit God to try to do some new and improved Christianity. But you cannot improve on the King of kings dying on the cross for His people. Christ is faithful in the midst of our culture. When families have problems, when marriages are struggling, when people lose jobs, Christ is King. And Jesus wasn't lacking, but He fulfills the offices of prophet, priest, and king for His people yesterday, today, and forever. So by, by yesterday, how, how did Jesus do this? The Apostle Creed puts it this way. He was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pilate. He was crucified on our behalf, died and was buried. Descending into hell, He was raised from the grave on the third. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. How does He do this today? He is a faithful high priest who sympathizes with his people in their weaknesses and guides his people in suffering and he is coming to judge the living and the dead how does he do this forever he is interceding for his people so trust in the lord jesus he's the sovereign solid rock there is none like him one of the main points of the book of hebrews is the supremacy of christ christ Created the world. He upholds it by the word of his power. He is greater than, than angels, greater than Moses. He is the great high priest, and he is the founder and perfecter of the faith. So, those who struggle with various temptations of this world and its comforts, we trust. We trust in the King who is with his people and is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And since Christ is with His people, since Christ is with His people, He is interceding and caring for His people. He will not be replaced. He is the rock in which His people rest and can call upon in everyday life. Through the ups and downs of this life, King Jesus is present with His people. And His people need Him every hour. There is not one second
1: that we do not need our triune God.
0: And since Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the author leads into verse nine by saying, Do not be led away by false teaching. The root of all heresy, the root of all heresy and false teaching begins with the denial of the sufficiency of Jesus. We are are called to hold fast to the Gospel. To the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. And so the church must guard the Gospel like soldiers standing strong at the city gate. So do not be led or do not be carried away by various and strange teachings. Do not be swept away from the the foundation of the Gospel of grace. Why would you want to? If you add to the Gospel, it ceases to be the Gospel. If you take away from the Gospel, it ceases to be the Gospel. And does the Lord Jesus change? No! Then the good news does not change. And because Christ has not changed, Our teaching and preaching does not change. No matter what. Even if that means someone is offended by the gospel or it implies that they are a sinner. And beloved, we we must remember that compromises are not always quick or overnight. Many heretical teachings that arise are compromises that come slowly over time. There are some false teachings that have Scripture present in worship. Yet, people do not understand it or search to know what Scripture means. We also don't have to wait on a priest to intercede for our sin when we have a great and merciful high priest in Jesus. There's also this form of Gnosticism in our culture that it's a denial of the sufficiency of Christ. And in this movement, many follow the law as much as they can And they believe that Jesus' blood covers what we can't keep. They deny total depravity. And they would say that Paul's letters are not the inspired Word of God. And then another modern movement we have is, is called relativism. This movement would affirm that truth is relative because it is based on experience and emotion. If you haven't experienced this or gone through this, you can't speak to the matter. Or Jesus is whoever you want Him to be. Hell is a place of mind that Christ is more of a process than person and God loves all things by becoming them. Those are false things. And truth is not what is true for you is good for you and what is good for me is good for me. Truth is good for all. And to know the truth that we have a kinsman redeemer and His name is Jesus Christ. This is good news. So may we not be led astray by various teachings in our culture, past, present, or future, but rest in the Lord Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His Gospel is unchanging. Let me look at the latter part of verse 9 it says for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not foods people in this time sought more of a physical dependence on food rather than resting in the grace of god and knowing that he would provide people sought to get their bellies full may we not think that we are different from those struggling in that day have we sought out our own physical comforts rather than resting and trusting in the grace of God for our soul. Beloved, those who are trusting in Him by faith are strengthened by grace. He will provide our needs. And He is the one who gives us joy. He is the one who satisfies our souls. In verses 10-12, through we're reminded that Christ has redeemed His people for His glory and sanctifies them by His blood. In verse 10, the author is showing the difference of the new covenant because of the cross of Christ and compares it to the old covenant. Believers in Christ, we have a far better altar. Remember the context of this day. Messianic Jews are going back into the synagogue so they don't face persecution. But the writer says, we have an altar. We don't come to God through a sacrifice of an animal time after time. And in another modern day false teaching, uh, they advocate before the priest does his blessing of communion, he lifts up the cup and lifts up the bread and says, this is a sacrifice to God. And their belief that by the blessing of the priest, the cup and bread literally become the body and blood of Jesus Thus, in their view, Jesus is sacrificed once again. But beloved, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed once for all. Unlike the Old Testament, there is no need for an animal to be be sacrificed time after time. Nor is Jesus being sacrificed time after time. Christ's sacrifice was once for all. So Christian, we have an altar. We have an altar. Rejoice because Jesus is a better high priest. And we have fellowship with God through the blood of His Son. We were rebels in our sin. Our sin was treason against the King. We were like those who served the tent and had no claim. We had no right to eat because of our unrighteousness, because we are not holy. So what is Scripture doing here? This is is vivid for the original audience. It's looking back to the altar, to the tent, and the animal that was sacrificed to once again remind readers of the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. We all have sinned. We all are rebels to a holy God. And we have no claim. We have no right. Yet, Christ's death has brought those who believe in Him to the table. Christ's death has brought those who were once far off, near to the throne of grace. So if you want to go to the Old Covenant, you have no right to eat at the table. The blood of animals does not atone for you. You have no right to partake. You are denying the sufficiency and the atonement of Christ. This is the meaning of verse 10. Christ has brought the nations who trust in Him to the table and were able to eat. This is all of grace.
1: So Christian, we have a far better altar. This week, when you are
0: faced with challenges that the world brings, remember, We have an altar. King Jesus is better. Continuing on in our text in verses 11 and 12, the writer is continuing to reflect upon the sacrifice of Christ with a sacrifice that took place in the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, the blood of animals was brought to the most holy place by the high priest in the tabernacle. And according to Leviticus 16.27, The bull is to be burned outside the camp. Just as the animals were burned outside the camp, Jesus suffered outside the camp. These shadows in the Old Testament are pointing to the substance, which is Christ in the New Testament. Our King left the Father's side in heaven, took on flesh, dwelt among men, lived perfectly to the law, And no charge could be brought against him. Yet the king of the cosmos was tried unjustly. He was put on trial by men in which he was using to fulfill this gospel promise. Jesus' life was not taken from him. The gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 18 says that he willingly, he willingly laid it down. So there was not one point in which Jesus was not in control. Yet, He suffered outside the gate. Jesus died outside the walls of Jerusalem. He suffered outside the gate to bring His people in the fold. He did this for the glory of God and for His people, for His bride. And He suffered outside the gate to sanctify His people once for all. So the sacrifice of King Jesus is different from the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. This sacrifice was once for all. The blood of animals could not save. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses sin. Jesus sanctifies His people through His own blood. Christ died for the glory of God and for the sake of His people. Why did He die? Why did He die for the sake of His people? His people are unrighteous and wicked. Our good works are like filthy rags. We cannot save ourselves. Jonathan Edwards said that the only thing we can contribute to our salvation is our sin. But praise God for the Gospel. He sent His Son for His glory and the redemption of His people. And since Christ is perfect, He's the only substitute in our place. He's the perfect spotless Lamb. Only God can bear the propitious wrath of God. And Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He's the only way for salvation. Not Muhammad, not Hinduism or Buddhism, but salvation comes from the Beloved, the Lamb, Jesus Christ alone. And only His blood can sanctify His people. And so the next time we are faced with the temptation to respond in anger or vengeance, think about His blood. Think about the sacrifice of Christ. The next time we are faced with the temptation to give up and to give in into evil desires and wickedness, think about His blood. The next time we try to justify our sin, think about His blood. The next time we want to quit, think about His blood. It's the blood of Jesus that sanctifies His people. And if death passed over if death passed over the houses of Hebrews in Egypt that were soaked in Lamb's blood how much more will death pass over those who have been washed in the blood of Christ? Death has no sting. The grave is not victorious. Why? Because our king sacrificed himself. He shed his blood for his people. And you're not going to find better news than this. Who is like our king? And our king did not sit back with his feet propped up, drinking tea and fed grapes. No, our king was on the front line. And he didn't need anyone else. He sacrificed himself and is victorious. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. So for those in Jesus, our debt of sin has been paid in heaven. It's been settled. What we owed, He paid in full. So when you are tended to sin, or Satan reminds you of your past, present, or future sins, or your feel overwhelmed and grieved by your sin, and the enemy asks, is the blood of Jesus sufficient for these things? We say, He is! He is! The blood of Jesus sanctifies His people. And if God did not spare His own Son from His wrath, do you think those apart from Christ
1: will be spared from the wrath of God?
0: Do you think if you're not trusting in Christ that you will be spared? Think about the truth of the Gospel this morning so that as we leave this place, we examine our hearts. The Gospel may be on our lips. If you are not in Christ this morning, repent and believe. On this side of heaven, Christ is a forgiving King. And if you are in Christ, Rejoice. We rejoice in what our King has done on our behalf. So beloved, be thankful. Be thankful for your godly leaders. Remember them. Consider the way they have lived. Imitate their faith. Rest in the Lord Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When trials come, run to Him. When the weight of the world seems heavy, you have a king who is in control. Rest in him. And in your trials and struggles, one of the greatest things you can hear is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same. And those who are in Christ, may we guard our teaching. May we rest in Christ's sacrifice knowing that we have an altar. We have an altar. Not that of the Old Covenant. But the altar in which Christ sacrificed Himself for His people. And He sanctifies His people through His own blood. We only get one life.
1: And it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray.
0: Father, for those who believe, we thank You for showing us grace through Your Son, Jesus. In Him, we get what we do not deserve. We have received grace when He received judgment for our sin on our behalf. So Father, may You continue to draw people to Yourself. May people repent of their sin and trust in Christ. Father, we have an altar. And we have the Lamb. The Lamb who is Your Son and was slain on our behalf. He died in our place. And now death for the believer has been overturned. So for those in Christ, may we be ambassadors for the Gospel in our families, in our community, unto the nations. May the gospel be rooted deep in our hearts so that so that it does not waver from our lips.
1: All for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before we come to the Lord's table, I'm just going to take a moment.